afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's Keeping an Eye on the Geopolitical Ball with me, Jamie Shea, Senior Fellow at Friends of Europe. Well, this weekend is the week, the weekend of the Munich Security Conference, which is the annual gathering of the security policy community uh, in Munich. Uh, this meeting has been going on for well beyond 50 years now, and it's a great opportunity to take the sort of the transatlantic temperature, the mood music uh, on security uh, and defense uh, issues, a little bit like uh, Davos does uh, for the economic and financial community. Uh, well, this year, the mood is likely to be rather downbeat. Uh, uh, Donald Trump has already defined the agenda just a couple of days ago by announcing at a campaign rally in South Carolina uh, that if he were president, the United States would certainly not uh, provide uh, NATO protection to those delinquent countries, as he sees it, who are not spending enough on their defense uh, below the NATO benchmark of 2% of GDP. And he even, outrageously, uh, seemed to invite Putin to attack uh, those countries as a kind of punishment uh, for the fact that they were not uh, good allies. Um, now, you can say that, uh, of course, uh, this is classic Trump. He's not yet president, so why should we worry about it? It's a campaign rally, and, uh, and election rhetoric always flies high uh, in these particular uh, settings. And you might also think that last time around, Trump made similar threats, but they were never really acted upon. You could also take the view that this is classic Trump shock therapy, where he goes over the top with these remarks precisely to get the Europeans to panic uh, and raise their defense budgets in a way that may be the more gentle persuasion of previous American presidents, at least in Trump's eyes, uh, had failed to uh, do. But, but of course, it's different this time round. Uh, when Trump was president, Russia had not launched a full-scale invasion uh, of Ukraine. We weren't uh, on the kind of war footing uh, with an over-militarized uh, Russia uh, that we uh, see today. NATO has had to return to collective defense. And, and when the leader of the alliance, or a potential leader of the alliance, at least somebody who's got a serious chance of getting into the White House, uh, announces that uh, he would like to leave NATO or, or wants a two-tiered or a three-tiered alliance where America's level of protection is linked to European uh, levels of uh, spending, this can only encourage Putin to think that the West is weak and divided. Uh, it will weaken NATO's deterrence uh, and lead to a more uh, uncertain uh, world. But it's not just Trump. Uh, the war in Ukraine is not going so well. Uh, and leaders in Munich this weekend are going to have to sort of take account of the fact that the, the new uh, uh, Russian uh, uh, chief of, of defense, Sersky, who has just come back from the front, uh, has announced that Ukraine is uh, lacking uh, ammunition. The men are tired. Uh, the Russians are now uh, advancing. They have uh, taken parts of Advika in the Donbass, which the Ukrainians have been doggedly defending throughout the winter, forcing the Ukrainians, at least for now, into a tactical uh, retreat. Uh, and this therefore bodes the question of to what extent will Ukraine really be able to hold on uh, in 2024 uh, uh, as well. Uh, there are war warnings uh, yesterday from the Estonian foreign minister that we've heard repeatedly in the last couple of weeks that we need to get ready for war uh, with Russia in as little as three or even five years uh, from now to darken the mood. And then finally, beyond Europe and beyond Russia, uh, the Middle East uh, crisis is not getting any better. Uh, Israel uh, looks set to enter uh, a, its fourth uh, month of military operations against Hamas 
uh, uh, soon with no end in sight. Uh, we've had uh, the danger in recent weeks of escalation with Iran in Iraq, Syria, and with the Houthis in Yemen too. And also the prospect that as the war grinds on and the humanitarian situation in Gaza gets even worse, uh, of a growing disconnect between the Europeans wanting to put pressure on the Israelis and a Biden administration that seems unwilling or unable to do so. So with this sort of gloomy backdrop for Munich, what can the leaders realistically do, apart from commiserate on the poor state of, of the world? Well, firstly, is, is to take burden sharing seriously and to get the message across to the United States that whatever Trump says, the reality is rather different. For example, yesterday we heard from the NATO Secretary General that 18 allies out of the 31 are currently spending 2% of their GDP uh, on defense. So uh, that uh, at least shows that the cursor is moving in a good direction. It was only three when Trump was president and only nine when Biden uh, first became president. This year, the Europeans will spend $380 billion on, on defense. That's not a, a small uh, uh, sum. And they're spending on Ukraine, if you count uh, if you count into the equation, humanitarian aid, budget, and so on, is double what the United States has been uh, uh, spending. So Europe has not got a bad story to tell. It just needs to communicate it better uh, in, in Washington. The next uh, thing that has to be done uh, is to sit down with the Ukrainians and figure out a good strategy moving forward. 2024 has to be about helping Ukrainians to, Ukrainians to hold on to what they have uh, already to make sure that Russia is not able to benefit from its current superiority uh, four times the tanks and ammunition that the Ukrainians have to advance uh, uh, further, to allow Ukraine time to recruit additional soldiers, to replace damaged equipment, uh, to hold the line uh, with the prospect of attacking in the future. Most experts believe that Russia can't keep up the current rate of production. In two to three years, it will have also exhausted its stock. So this year is a year for helping Ukraine uh, to hold on as well. Thirdly, the Europeans have now got to take their defence seriously. Jens Stoltenberg, the NATO Secretary General, rightly says that Europe should not go in alone, should not separate from the United States. I don't see any European who seriously wants to do that. But the prospect now is that the United States, under a Trump administration, separating, it, separating itself from Europe. For example, in a two-tier Trump NATO, where only, let's say, uh, one quarter or one third uh, of the member states, one half at most, would be defended because they're the ones that spend. Who are going to protect the half that don't? And here the European Union, uh, with its uh, Lisbon Treaty and its Article 42.7 on uh, solidarity and mutual assistance, would obviously be called in to plug the gap. So this is the moment when the bells have to ring in Brussels. The European strategic autonomy has to become a reality the hour of Europe, often proclaimed but never implemented, has finally arrived. Now, Ursula von der Leyen uh, yesterday announced that uh, in a new commission, if she's re-elected as president after the European Parliament elections in June, would appoint a European commissioner to deal with defence. This is something, by the way, that Friends of Europe, if I can just give a blurb for Friends of Europe, uh, uh, proposed way back in 2019. So it's good uh, even with a gap of five years, to see that this idea is finally uh, making its way uh, forward. The Commissioner for Defence would build on the good work of the current Commissioner for the Internal Market, Thierry Breton, in, in ramping up 
uh, European uh, production. Here too, the news is not bad. This week, uh, Chancellor Scholz in Germany uh, 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 laid the first stone of a new factory in Lower Saxony, which is going to produce uh, 155 millimeter ammunition for both Ukraine uh, and for uh, Europe as 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 as, as well, uh, many other countries are now stepping forward to help Ukraine uh, with drones. For example, Latvia and the UK announced a, a deal whereby two hundred million dollars will be spent this year on supplying Kiev with drones, and other countries are participating in this. On Friday, President Macron will welcome President Zelensky in Paris, where they will sign a new bilateral security guarantee of France uh, to Ukraine, building on those that were agreed at the NATO summit in Vilnius. The UK, for example, has already done that already. So, and finally, of course, the European Union has managed to approve that extra tranche of 500 billion euros to help Ukraine. So a lot is happening in European defense at the present time, but, but clearly with the uh, uncertainty in the United States, it would be nothing but a prudent insurance policy for the Europeans now to take their strategic autonomy seriously and to build up uh, their defense uh, capacity uh, as, as well. The new commissioner could also rightly agree on a stock take of European capabilities to see exactly where the shortfalls are and then to make sure that European programs uh, like uh, the uh, Permanent Structured Cooperation on Capabilities or the European Defence Fund can be re-engineered and refunded precisely to fill uh, those capabilities uh, as, as, as well. Finally, there has to be a debate on a European nuclear deterrent. This is not for today. Uh, would the UK participate, not being a member of the EU? Would France ever accept to share its nuclear deterrence with other uh, EU allies when it's always wanted that to be independent? Can we continue to rely upon the American nuclear deterrent? These are very complicated questions, and they sh certainly shouldn't be discussed in public. But at the same time, uh, if Europe is to be truly strategic autonomous, it has to see how it also can have these deterrents at the most uh, ultimate uh, uh, le uh, level of the ladder, uh, as well as in other areas. Of course, nuclear is not the priority at the moment. Europe needs to spend the money above all in plugging its conventional uh, gaps. But Europe now needs a concept for being able to make its way in the world, hopefully with the United States, but by itself, if necessary, without the United States. Let's hope that that doesn't happen, because if the US remains loyal to NATO, all of these European efforts will make NATO stronger as well. Thank you for listening uh, today. Look forward, as always, to engaging with you very, very soon. Let's keep a close eye on what comes out of Munich. But in the meantime, have a good weekend.